some of those games, that's why we remember them. Mm-hmm. There were some games, I feel like there's two things that's just like, if they check the boxes yeah. that are very hard to check, Space Pinball. Yeah, yeah right. Games, like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's an undeniably good, like that reaction is what everybody has when you bring up Space Pinball because it's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, I love that, yeah. Hi there, and welcome to Pod Rocket. I'm your host, Paul, and joining us today is Sander Moulin, uh, who uses they, them pronouns. Sander is the creator of Lunchbox.js. So this is a very interesting framework that, you know, we're going to be talking about 3D stuff. It's going to be really cool. Um, but it, it, very short, it's a Vue 3 slash 3JS kind of custom render. Is that what we could call it? Yeah, definitely. Yep. Awesome. Um, so we're going to go over that and some other projects such as Troy JS and View 3 board game. So I've never heard of View 3 board game and Troy JS. Is that the right way to say? Because it's T R O I S for anybody listening. So I think it's Twa. I think. <laughs> the, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is French. And that's like going off of um, View recently. The folks behind View came out with V, which is also French. So Twa is kind of like building off of. Um, uh, French for three, I think it is. And the lead developer on that is based in France as well. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. So there's a there's like a French twist yeah. to, these, <laughs> to these products coming out. Gotcha. Um, well, great. I mean, right before the podcast, I was telling Sandra, 3JS seems like this super cool. You see, you're seeing things people are making 3JS, which is a 3D DOM render. Well, that's what I see it as. Is there... Well, so... The only thing I would I would change about that is that um, it's more of a 3D. It'll render to the canvas rather than to the DOM itself. So to the DOM, okay. Yeah, you'll um, uh, the actual end result you see is going to be rendered on a canvas element, which exists like any other normal element in the DOM, um, but has some special properties like being able to support some uh, drawing intensive applications like 3JS. Gotcha. Okay, so the canvas kind of lends it just lends itself better to that type of functionality. Exactly. Just like an SVG might uh, might help you with like scalable vector graphics like it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah, 3JS, amazing things. Like I've played games made with 3JS. I've gone to that GitHub visualizer and seen my commits, which everybody should check out if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, but the big thing, the big point you were talking about is like, I'm excited to talk about Lunchbox because it makes this palette and makes it approachable it makes things make a little more sense. So I'm going to hand it off to you and I'd love if you just like introduce the audience to one, what Lunchbox is and how it interacts with the 3D capabilities and things that we love about 3JS or would like to love if we were to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, I have been developing with 3JS for a while. Absolutely love working with it. Um, uh, can really recommend Bruno Simon has a really excellent course Um based on learning through JS for anyone who's interested in dipping their toes into the framework. Um, been working with it for a long time and I've been working with you for a long time and those tools together, I love individually, but for a long time, there wasn't really any, um, and it wasn't really any equivalent of react three fiber for, uh, view. The nice thing about react three fiber is that react developers can write code that looks like react that has the same kind of like, uh, reactivity and interactivity that React has, um, the same kind of dynamic quality um, 
but it's a lot more, it looks like HTML markup. It looks like you're just writing regular um, self-contained components, just like you're used to. I love that idea. Looked around for a long time for something like that for Vue and found that there wasn't anything. So um, I started like digging into this some more. I started working on a couple games as well in um, 3JS and kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, I really wish I had something like this. Started looking again, and that's when I found Twa. Um, Kevin LeBron had started uh, working on that, and he had started to put together kind of a wrapper for 3JS where it would handle, you could write a view component, and it would handle a lot of the um, 3JS code for you. So just as an example, um, when you're working in 3JS, if you want to see a 3D cube, for example, you have to create a mesh, and then you have to create a geometry for that mesh, and then you have to create a material for that mesh. And once you have all those things put together, um, then you can add it to your scene, and then you tell your scene to render to this canvas. So there are a lot of steps you have to do in order to actually see something on your screen. But Kevin had set it up in such a way where like, it was really easy to just write a few lines of um, view code and see a result. And I was like, that's perfect. I love the look of that. The only issue I ran into with that was that um, I wanted some more customizability. And that's kind of where I came to like, okay, React 3 Fiber takes a really interesting approach where it handles, um, it treats itself more as like a very thin layer between React and 3JS, saying that like, we're going to write some code in React that's going to translate directly to 3JS. So we have to write fewer like variables and, and declarations and stuff like that in JavaScript, but we end up with something that has the same end result. So kind of like the whole point of um, jumping into Lunchbox was going for the same kind of feeling of like, I want to create um, 3D scenes. I want them to be uh, maintainable and easy to work with and reactive, just like React 3 Fiber scenes. Um, and I want to do that in Vue. So that's kind of the uh, the big impetus behind all, all of this. That was like a beautiful summer. We got taken from a journey. Yeah, yeah. We walked up like the Brother Bear Mountain right there. <laughs> um, so it, it sounds like the React 3 Fiber, it just did the same thing, but in the opposite direction. You went from less information to more information versus like more information to less information. Is, is that a right way to think about it? Yeah, so I guess like um, the way we were approaching um, React 3 Fiber was like, I really love some of the customizability options we have here. Um, we would love that in uh, a very lightweight layer around Vue because we love using Vue. We love, um, and when I say we, um, I'm working on a game with... Uh, studio Cyberpunk, which is um, based out of Malaysia with my friend Farid Nad, who is like uh, writing and developing a lot of the material for the game that we're working on. And this is uh, all in Lunchbox.js. Um, so yeah. I have a quick question. When you say material, these are like the meshes and the bodies. And so, so this guy's like an artist. He's like, a, he's creating and design. What type of application or interface does he come from doing that? Is he like jumping into code? matrix style and just producing like graphics or is he going to like Maya or Blender taking inspirations and, 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 and still files and stuff like that? More into more in the Maya Blender world. Um, so he in particular does a lot of 2D stuff where right now the, um, the closest like analogy for the game we're working on is kind of a Paper Mario thing where it's like 2D-ish sprites moving around in a 3D environment. So we have some of that dynamic lighting. We have some of that, like everything you would expect from a 3D game and that you can do in 3JS that you can't do in other um, frameworks or just in regular HTML. Um, but, you know, any artist is going to be able to produce 
just uh, like a GLB file, which is the 3D model itself, or a texture that you might use, like a PNG or a JPEG or something like that, that you could just drop into the scene. You're talking about, okay, it's a 2D-esque sort of game, like thing we're doing, and it, but it has like some flavors of 3D. Is this what we would call... 2.5d like age of empires definitely that that kind of feel yeah <laughs> absolutely that's such a good game those graphics are like yeah i it's the it's the best ha- happy point i feel like a lot of times like it's it's it doesn't I, I, i'm as a non-game developer i'm like it doesn't seem as hard to develop that versus like a 3d scene because to make the 3d scene good oh my gosh, like you, there's just so much. Yeah, and that's part of the thing we're running into is like 3JS is really, really good. It doesn't compete with something like, you know, with a Unity or an Unreal. Um, those engines are just like built from the ground up. You know, we're working in C++. We're working in like very low level languages that are built to handle things like lighting and physics and like all of these really high-end details. 3JS is really good at some of these kind of things, but like, we're playing to its strengths right now, which is a lot more like, you know, you can have um, some relatively small, like realistic scenes, just as long as you keep it like a very focused realism. So like your lighting has to be pretty intentional and your lighting has, and your like shadows and that kind of thing have to be like, um, you know, there's all sorts of ways to optimize it so you can get the kind of performance you would expect, but you do have to like think about optimization a lot more than, um, right out of the box than you would have to do with unity or unreal um and that kind of ties into the whole like it's really fun making stylized 3d things like like um kind of the example that everyone goes back to is like legend of zelda wind waker aged really well because it was so heavily stylized and like has its own character has its own um art direction kind of feel and that's if you can do it like that or like jet set radio future one of those kind of older games that like really lean into their art direction and push that in a 3JS context, you're very good to go. Enjoying the podcast? Consider hitting that follow button for more great episodes. I mean, some of those games, that's why we remember them. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. There, so I've, there were some games, I feel like there's two things that's just like, if they check the boxes yep. that are very hard to check. Space Pinball. Yeah, yeah right. Like... <laughs> like <laughs> is an undeniably good like that reaction is what everybody has when you bring up space pinball because it's just like oh my gosh yeah you know? yeah oh i love that yeah <laughs> so with lunchbox you're you're taking all the stuff you're putting in view so you're doing view because that was like where you're coming from that's like your family right yep exactly do you see any and but you also have used the react fiber thing mm-hmm. okay so are you looking to get to the same point of operability that that's at? Or do you think that Vue has some strengths that React doesn't have that you're looking to exploit? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. So right now, kind of like parity with React 3 Fiber is like pie in the sky kind of goal. That's an incredible project that has a huge number of contributors. It's a very mature project. So something like that is very off, uh, like far off in the future. Um, But the nice thing about... um, Lunchbox, the nice thing about Vue is the way everything is written now, even if I were to stop development on Lunchbox entirely, you could keep using it um, with Vue 3 and with new versions of 3.js. Like I've been working on Lunchbox for about a year-ish. And in that time, Vue, you know, um, 3.js has come out with like several new versions because they're coming out with new versions all the time. Um, And the nice thing about that is that I don't really notice the upgrades 
uh, you can just kind of install 3JS, install Lunchbox, and it'll work out right out of the box because like um, the goal here is kind of like longevity in the same way that React 3 Fiber has, where it's like we're not so dependent on Lunchbox itself. We're treating it as like a translator between Vue and 3 and letting letting Vue and 3 make the decisions themselves. I have kind of like a... Um, like a development kind of manifesto or something on the documentation site, just talking about um, it being a good idea to treat Lunchbox as a very thin layer between um, Vue and 3JS and to let those two frameworks make the decisions because those are the ones with more um, with more muscle behind them, with a bigger user base. So um, being able to do things like support, uh, support plugins right out of the box, being able to do things like work with new versions of 3JS, all of that kind of stuff is like really important to me. So I built that in from the start. I mean, I think that kind of talks to what people try to emphasize, which is like a lot of times the most beautiful or best solution is like the smallest and the, and the lightest one, because you allow the, the shoulders of the giants to still do their job, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's like, and it's like that airplane airplane analogy where like you write as much code as you need to get it working. Where like if you're building an airplane, you want to have as much weight as you need to build a, an airplane, but no more because you don't want to be adding any extra weight or any extra like burden that you have to maintain in the long run. So something like that is like, let's get the minimum amount of code that we need. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read that somewhere and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The less you have to maintain, the easier it's going to be in the long run. Because I've been on too many projects where it's like, oh, you get very excited. You have like blue sky, open fields, everything's wonderful. And then like you have to take a six month break and then you come back to it and you're like, oh my God, where do I even begin? You know, <laughs> the work that I was doing before. Um, so something like this is designed to be like, be as um, long-term as possible, hands-off and long-term as possible. Right on. Well, if you're rooting yourself in that way, I mean, and if and, and, and people are coming to the community, it sounds like you're setting yourself up for success and in, in the project for success. So that's great. Oh, I yeah. hope so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you were talking a little bit about, okay, we're talking about this layer. It's going to be a light layer between these that very intelligently is going to sort out and, and, and translate. So one thing in the notes that I have that we're going to talk about is how we're matching declarative styles and imperative styles of programming through your lunchbox layer. So before we hop into that, what's declarative and what's imperative and like, what's like the 20 second difference between them. So for me, um, for me, I'm actually, so I'm not like classically trained in computer science or something like that. Um, uh, so whenever I think of the difference between the two declarative, I always come back to as like, we're writing HTML elements. Um, we're writing something that uh, something like CSS or HTML that is going to exist all at once and react to um, the the environment of the code around it. An imperative, I think of as like we're starting at point A and we're going to end at point B. We're going to go through those. It's, it's going to be like a JavaScript kind of thing. We're like we start at the top of the file and then we might do some loops. We might do some like branching statements and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, um, we are, it's a linear kind of process. Uh, I think that was a great analogy because ultimately 3JS, you know, that's the imperative side of things. You know, it's code, it's running through, it's a scripting, and then we have Vue.js, DOM, me, and, and declarative me, right? So you're, you're joining these two things together. What 
what do you think is the main advantage of having this? Is it speed? Is it the organization? Because a lot of frameworks that comes out, sometimes it's guys who are like, I made this so that my team of people can just pump stuff out faster. That's the reason. So Lunchbox, um, yeah, that's a great question. So to answer kind of both of them at once, Lunchbox is handling a lot of the uh, modular modularization of the code and a lot of the um, uh, long-term maintainability is what I've found with it. So if I want to have a scene where I have a bunch of cubes that, you know, you get one cube rendered for each item in your array, you can add or remove items from the array. Um, I can do... Uh, I can make a custom component just like I would in view, a self-contained .view file. Um, I can iterate over that with v4. I can conditionally render it with vif, just like I would a DOM element. Um, and that means that all of my code related to that cube is contained in a separate file and just referenced as if it were, you know, any other custom DOM element. Um, the nice thing there is that means I can, like, change the color of it. I can, like, make the color a prop that I can pass to it. I can make it, um, I can change the, the behavior of it if it's supposed to grow or shrink or like rotate or something like You're that. You're defining this API. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the thing about, um, the thing, the, the biggest thing I've found with the advantage of declarative versus imperative is that I've tried working in um, pure JavaScript, pure TypeScript for writing bigger projects like games. And eventually it gets to a point where it's like, you have to be very like cognizant of how you're organizing it from the start or else you're going to kind of like set yourself up for bigger problems that kind of snowball down the road. Switching that over to like a declarative style, writing single file view components, writing like, um, I, I talk a lot about like how writing view components in TSX is like one of my favorite workflows just because everything is typed, everything is like, if you're going to refactor a variable name, you can just do it right there and you don't have to worry about like searching through your whole project. You can just, you know, F2 and rename it right there. Um, and all that kind of thing is like the, the easier you make it to like write something once, forget about it until you need it again, come back to it, change it, whatever you need, however you need to do, and then forget about it again until you need it again. The easier that is like the, the, less work you're making yourself for yourself in the long run and the more maintainable the project is. It's Emily again, producer for Pod Rocket, and I want to talk to you. Yeah, you, the person who's listening but won't stop talking about your new favorite front-end framework to your friends, even though they don't want to hear about it anymore. Well, I do want to hear about it because you're really important to us as a listener. So what do you think of pod rocket? What do you like best? What do you absolutely hate? What's the one thing in the entire world that you want to hear about edge computing, weird little component libraries, how to become a productive developer when your Wi-Fi is out. I don't know. And that's the point. If you get in contact with us, you can rant about how we haven't had your favorite dev advocate on or tell us we're doing great, whatever. And if you do, we'll give you a $25 gift card. That's pretty sweet, right? So reach out to us. Links are in the description. $25 gift card. Yeah, it's pluggable, right? And 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 anytime I have to revisit a component, it's just like, oh God, I need 
to be alone and I need coffee because this is going to just big brain crunch. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But like the nice thing about like a view single file component that I really like is you can divide up a lot of the functionality between like, um, it's like, this is your end result in the, in the template code. And this is your like interactability. This is your like animation, that kind of thing in your uh, JavaScript or TypeScript. So a lot of that just feels like it segments itself really well, um, which is really satisfying to work with. Can we talk about animation? Because for me, animations, like I use libraries, you know, that that's kind of where my expertise stops. So now we're talking about taking animations that natively exist in like one framework and porting them to another. So yeah, let, let's, let's, let's dive into this. How did you tackle animations? How are you thinking about them? So I usually think about animations in either um, a tween-based uh, framework where it's like we're starting at point A, going to point B. Um, we're going to move through a set of keyframes and interpolate between um, those keyframes. Uh, or I'm thinking about it as I like to do procedural animations a lot too, where we're just like, you know, uh, you get a pulsing cube by setting its scale to be the sign of the current st uh, current timestamp. So you get like a sine wave and the cube will grow and shrink like you would expect it to. Um, I really like doing like shader art and stuff like that. So that kind of like purely math-based thing is really, really fun. And that's a big part of the reason like why I made that custom on before render, on after render in Lunchbox.js was that it just came back to like, I want a way I can reliably call um, a render function before and after the scene actually renders. So we're um, manually rendering. Uh, we have like a custom render function in Lunchbox.js, which is something that's a little further outside of that paradigm of like um, being as hands-off as possible. I thought that was a good trade-off to make just in the sense of like, this way we get some more control over um, when the scene is rendered, uh, what happens before and after that actual render, um, all that kind of thing. Uh, just to say, like, you know, uh, 3JS has a lot of um, on-before render and that kind of thing uh, functions built in. Um, but for this, I wanted a little bit more control, where it was like, I want to keep on doing my procedural animations in a way that I know that I can come back to and just use as if it were like a, a hook or something like that in React, where it's just like on-before render, pass it a function, and it's doing exactly what you would expect it to. What's something that I'd want to render on before render? So you might want to do, let's say, let's say uh, we're coming back to that example of like a rotating cube or something like that. Um, you could say on before render, you're going to increase the rotation amount by 0.001 or something like that. And then um, you'll see the cube rotating in space um, just so that you can have control over how fast it's rotating over the axes where it's rotating um it's something like that so the reason why you would want to rotate on before render versus after render mm -hmm. i'm missing this link right here could we iron that over one more time definitely yeah so before render i usually just do um so in most cases and 99 percent of the cases i've come across before render it's just like a convenience thing. Just like I choose to to make the change before the scene render because it's like neater in my head where it's like, oh, I want to like change something and then render, render the scene as opposed to render the scene and then change something. Where it starts to come in useful is where you start thinking about like um, 
different layers in the 3JS, 3JS context where you think about turning objects on and off, where you think about like um, being able to change a material for the duration of the render and then change it back afterwards. There are situations where something like that happens where you want something to be different that you're not necessarily seeing in the render. Um, so I've run into things like that where it makes sense. I don't have a really good example off the top of my head. But this is like one of those things where this extra lifecycle hook allows the wrangling of 3JS to be just like more exactly. powerful. Okay, gotcha. So you're like, trust me, you're going to use 3JS. You're going to want this. Like you'll get it. Like, right, okay. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. we, we, can, we can roll with that. Um, so where are you going with Lunchbox? What's like the next set of features you're looking at? Or what's like the where are you, where are your eyes sitting next? Yeah, so a um, couple places right now. I would love to support um, DOM element render rendering right out of the box in Lunchbox. So right now to mix 3JS with the um, with the DOM in Lunchbox, you actually have to have two separate view apps on your page, which is something that's very doable in Vue 3, very easy to work with, or relatively easy to work with. Um, you can make them share reactive variables and that kind of thing. Um, and I've gotten them uh, to work with the same instance of a plugin. For example, Vuex or boardgame.io um, can come back to using the same plugin. Uh, so they're both referencing the same source of truth. But I would really like not to have the overhead of two view apps on every single, you know, every game I'm working on, or every site I'm working on, because I would love to like just be able to write a single one and keep that maintainability easier. Um, so building in a DOM renderer out of the box, um, I'm doing some work with uh, a guy named Corinne, I think his name is, or Corinne, who is a Dutch developer um, working at a biomedical place where they want to have a few instances of um, Lunchbox on the same page, which currently is impossible because I'm just shifted with some global variables to make it easier to write, but we're shifting that over to some scoped variables so that you can have multiple renders on a single page um, or multiple Lunchbox apps on a single page, rather. That's like such a big undertaking, it sounds like. It is. It's really interesting. Yeah. Well, and one of the really cool things about it is like it taps a lot into Vue 3's like new features. So like the custom renderer feature is something that is brand new to Vue 3. This would not have been possible. Um, this wasn't possible in Vue 2. I remember going back to Vue 2 and like trying to do this kind of thing and it just they didn't have a custom renderer then. That's a new thing in Vue 3. And then also uh, mechanisms like provide and inject in Vue 3 where like you can have kind of app level um, uh, passing information between grandparents and grandchildren as opposed to just like the parent-child component communication that we're used to. All this kind of thing is just... That's nice. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's really fun to work with. Because it's just like, it increases your bug surface area so quickly <laughs> when you can't do that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. When you have to like pass props down through several layers of children or something like that, just turns into a headache <laughs> it actually does because also like depending on the component like the name of the props going to be different like data up here is not data down here like it's going to be like part person array <laughs> yeah yep 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 yeah exactly yeah so like the the fewer places you have to declare something the fewer places you have to like uh, i like that bug surface area analogy that's like that makes sense is like 
the less surface area there is for bugs, the, the happier you're going to be in the long run. And this custom render function from Vue, is it just for, you know, powering up Lunchbox? And, and, and uh, are, are, you, are you excited about it just for, like, the Lunchbox framework? Or is there, like, utility being used for this new way to interact with the Vue core that you would urge people using Lunchbox today to look at? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I would definitely urge people to check it out. I feel like this is a really, like, as, as far as I'm aware, a pretty underutilized part of Vue 3. Or like um, the custom renderer side of things is just such a powerful, like the whole um, uh, exciting thing behind something like React Native is like you can write React code and then see it natively render on iOS, on Android. Like how cool is that? Something like that is possible with Vue now, just needs a lot of work. So like, (laughs) it's not like, oh, just go ahead and make it. It's more like, this capability is here and I definitely think it's worth a look. Um, it is one area where I see not too many resources are available right now. So something I want to do is um, kind of write an introduction to some basic renderer like terminology and uh, like view custom renderer t- terminology and workflow and stuff like that. There is an existing one by a guy named uh, Lachlan Miller, who is um, a developer who wrote, I think he did a, um, uh, a tutorial on how to make a custom PDF renderer with Vue. So um, L-A-C-H-L-A-N Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R, definitely worth um, a look for his tutorial. That's some of the most, that and the Vue, like DOM render itself are the mo- most like comprehensive examples I've found of like um, how to create and maintain a custom renderer. But that's definitely worth more of a look by the community thank you for spelling it out for because it's always difficult sometimes to know how to spell like these names so that that's really great and now since we're on the topic if people want to get into a 3js b lunchbox or i was i was gonna say c like you know this area of view where we're starting to talk about like some of the core rendering and the life cycle things like you know, but more, more, more on Lunchbox because that's what we're talking about today. Like, where, pe- where should people go? Yeah, for all of them, I think those are really great questions to ask because all of them like are so interconnected with each other. And like, the the really fun thing about Vue and all of these frameworks is when you start to speak the language of one, it's so much easier to learn the language of the other, and then your your knowledge and capabilities just kind of grow, which is just a really fun feeling, just a really nice experience all around. So for 3JS, um, I think I mentioned Bruno Simon's um, 3JS Journey. Um, that's a really good course. That one costs money, so there are some that are available for free online. Um, but that one is a very like uh, very in-depth course. Um, I was able to take that through work and had a really good experience with it. Um, and then for learning uh, Lunchbox, I think it was um, LogRocket that put out a really good um, uh, tutorial, uh, an example of how to use a uh, how to create a globe scene with um, your own custom textures and your own custom like um, displacement mapping and stuff like that, um, which was really really cool to see. Um, yeah, LogRocket had a really good tutorial on that, and then I think they direct you to the Lunchbox um, uh, documentation site as well. So you can just go to lunchboxjs.com and we have a link to the source code, the GitHub repo, the um, 
the documentation site, which has some more of the theory, but LogRocket has a bit more of the tutorial of like, this is how you jump in and start building with Lunchbox.js. And then as far as the um, Vue 3 custom renderer stuff, uh, I think I linked to it on the Lunchbox.js um, documentation site, but somewhere in like the internal development section, um, I have a link to Lachlan Miller's tutorial and I have a link to Vue's core um, DOM renderer which are both like excellent places to start looking. It does take a little bit of manual, like looking around there. So that's why I'm looking to create kind of that tutorial of like, this is, you know, this is uh, how to get introduced to the world of custom renderers, which is a really, really interesting world and really cool, like problem that Vue 3 has solved. Yeah. I, like you said, I just don't feel like I've seen much out there. So, I mean, you found, you found a good area to really contribute because like, it feels good when you find something that not a lot of stuff out there exists. You're like, I'm going to do it and people are going to read it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of like, that's kind of the exciting thing about Lunchbox was like, this was the tool that I wanted when I was working on my game, like two or three years ago by this point, when I was working on my games, like, well, keep writing, keep having this desire to write documentation. Cause if you, the easier you make the transfer of your mental model into my mental model, then it's easier for everybody else to, to the yeah yeah so it's great your eyes are set on doing things like that um and yeah hopefully people will start to get attuned to like what's coming out and what they can do with this um there's a lot of you know hardy view users out there like they keep coming on our podcast and um so really wish the best for lunchbox and everything you got going on thank you i really appreciate that thanks Heck yeah. Well, thank you for your time, Sander, for joining. Um, this was a really fun one, kind of get, talking more about the graphical and and uh, creative sides of what this, our, you know, our awesome modern like frameworks are allowing us to do now. And so, Sander, uh, they're on Twitter. Do you, have, do you have a Twitter handle? Yep. Uh, Sander Moulin, S-A-N-D-E-R-M-O-O-L-I-N. And then also uh, Lunchbox.js has a bunch of um, official Lunchbox examples. Well, thanks again, Sander. And hopefully we'll have you again on sometime in the future to see how things are going. That would be lovely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This is Emily, one of the producers for PodRocket. I'm so glad you're enjoying this episode. You probably hear this from lots of other podcasts, but we really do appreciate our listeners. Without you, there would be no podcasts. And because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome PodRocket stickers. So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts.